0: We're going to be looking at this uh, first letter of the Apostle Peter. It's a general letter that he wrote to Christians within uh, an area we know as Asia Minor. Uh, um, A church made up, or churches made up, of Jews and Gentiles. Many of them, from a Jewish background, had been in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, And this very Peter had stood up to preach. And they had returned, perhaps filled with the Spirit of God, certainly excited about Jesus. And so Peter now writes to them to encourage them in the faith. At the time, Nero was emperor of Rome. And it was a difficult time, or would become a difficult time for Christians. And therefore, part of the book deals about suffering and being prepared for it. But right at the outset, his, his n- keynote is about holiness, about how the people of God should behave, how they should live in the world. That because their God is holy, they too should be holy, living a life which is separate from the world around them. And Peter writes powerfully then, suddenly going from one subject into this about the living stone. It's almost as if he changes gear for a moment because he wants to encourage every believer, to look to Jesus and to tell them something about Jesus that will be of value to them, not merely to, to know more about him, but because it opens up for them an exciting aspect of ministry that they are called to fulfill. I have in my garden um, a pile of leftovers from my time when I was uh, reconfiguring my garden, you might say. So, I brought a, a leftover. It's not exactly a cornerstone because to be honest, uh, the one I did have, which would have been far better, um, I didn't fancy actually bringing all the way from uh, Um So I've just brought one. It's just so if If, for any reason, you are distracted or I can't hold your attention, I want you to look there and please tell me if you see anything change. If it enlarges, if it changes color, if if something happens to it, let me know because, believe me, I will want to know. But if you can listen to me, then all well and good. I will refer to that. Let's look at Peter's words. Peter, first of all, like, gives a summary. And then he wants to explain the basis of why he says what he says. And he draws upon the scriptures, three Old Testament scriptures. Because many in the church would be Jews. They would be used to having... Uh, The scriptures unfolded to them. They would expect to be directed by scripture. And so he gives them three key scriptures which underlie Jesus as the living stone. And then he goes on to explain the implications for those who believe. So the statement... Is about this living stone. He's rejected by humans. When he appeared, while some initially were, were drawn to him, others were repelled. And in the end, he was rejected. But this Jesus was the very chosen one of God. The very one who would uh, bring about the salvation that we so desperately needed. And he is precious to God. Precious inasmuch he is of the highest worth and the highest value to God the Father. He's his own dear son. He is precious. And, oh, sorry, I've missed uh, one. Oh, no, that's right. And then he goes on to say that we, Christian believers, like living stones, are being built together. God, God's purpose is to build a place of worship made of living souls. And we are being built together. We are not only, as it were, the building, but we are involved with what goes on in that building, that place of worship. We are involved in being priests. All of us, men, women, children, we all, if we believe in Jesus, are priests. That is, we stand between God and man. We are the intermediaries. We bring the needs of the world to our God, and God sends us out with his word, with a witness on our lips of what he's done for us. And we're going to have an opportunity this week to pray for the world, to pray for what goes on here within our own church, what's going on in our city. What's going on in our nation? What's going on in the world? That is our role. We have a priesthood that we must fulfill. We offer sacrifices to God. They're costly. Yes, it may involve giving up time in this week where you have to put aside what you would otherwise do and commit yourself. And it will be sacrificial but it will be what you're called to be because you are the people of God. So there's the summary. And then Peter draws upon certain scriptures. And the first one he takes is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 28. Actually, I can't see that one. I must must look at this he draws upon these words, See, I lay in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. These Old Testament words, okay, part of the prophecy of Isaiah. What did they mean in Isaiah's day? At that time, the big threat to to the people of God, to Israel, was Assyria in the north, a nation growing in power, a cruel people who conquered others without pity, without mercy. And the people of Israel were tempted then to look elsewhere for their help, to look to the south, to look to Egypt, which was also a great power. But looking, looking to ally th- themselves with Egypt for their own protection. And Isaiah says, what God wants you to know is that you must not look to men. You must look to me. You must look to me. Because I... I am doing something. I am laying a stone. And where? Here. In Zion. In this very place. And I have chosen it. It's precious to me. And then the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And suddenly, begin to understand, as the Jews came to understand, that this is not just a building. This is not a city, an impregnable city. This is a person. More fully, the Hebrew... You can just look in the, the text we have in our Old Testament... It's slightly different, because Peter and Jesus used a, a slightly um, a, a translation of the Old Testament scriptures. But the Old Scriptures say this, See, I lay in Zion a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. Those three words, tested, what is a tested stone? It's been one that's been looked at and checked that it will do what it is required to do. It fits the bill. It does exactly what it's required to do. Then it's a precious cornerstone. Again, it is something greatly valued. And then it it provides a sure foundation. The word sure means it's been embedded in the ground. God has put a foundation down, embedded. It is solid, it is sure. As I say, the Jews came to understand that these words were not simply about a place, important though Jerusalem was to them, and the temple within it, but it was about a person, someone who would come to fulfill God's purposes so that the one who trusts will never be dismayed. Those three words are three Hebrew words for tested, precious, and sure. They are not ever used again in the whole of the Old Testament. They are unique words. That tells me they're about a unique person. There is no other. There's a stone that is being laid by God himself. And then we have these words. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This scripture of the Old Testament is quoted more often in the New Testament than any other. it's that special. It's from Psalm 118. We said it together at the beginning. What's so special about it? Well, Jesus quoted these words himself. Remember the parable he gave of the tenants, people who were given the ownership of a vineyard, and the owner said, right, I'll send my servants to go and get some of the produce. And they all got beaten up. So he said, right, okay, I'll I'll send some more important of my servants. And the same happened to them. And some of them were killed. He said, well, surely not. I'll send my son. They'll listen to my son. And the parable was about Jesus preparing the people for his own death. And he said, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. What people will reject is the very person who is of God's choice. An interesting thing about this this psalm is that uh, it's part of what's called the Egyptian Hallel, a group of psalms from 118 through, uh, sorry, 113 through to 118 called the Hallel Psalms. They're psalms of praise and thanksgiving. And it's the Egyptian Hallel because they use them especially at the time of Passover. They're actually used for every festival in Judaism. They're on the main meal of that festival. They sing Psalms 113 and 114 at the start and 15, 16, 17, 18 at the end. Especially at Passover. Do you remember Matthew says after the the Passover meal that Jesus had with his disciples, after they sang a hymn, they left. What they were singing were these Psalms. The last psalm that Jesus sang, with Peter in the room, they sang together these very words. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Peter would have sung that from childhood. He would have known it by heart. It would have meant perhaps very little to him. Jesus was going out to Gethsemane as the rejected stone. He knew what lay ahead of him. I love it that he sang those words just before he died. The only other words we know that he said from the Psalms Psalms was what he said on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me. It's no surprise then when later Peter and John heal a cripple of 40 years and get arrested for having done so. That when they're given their freedom and Peter stands up before those in Jerusalem at that time, he says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He uses that very verse again. His audience would have known it. They would have known it by heart. Some of them would have sung it just weeks before at the Passover feast. You see, he was able to use scriptures that were familiar to his hearers. And if you read, the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter nine and Ephesians chapter two, you'll find him using these same scriptures about Christ and about the church. But not all who look who, who know about Jesus regard him as precious. He's a stone that causes some to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. You see, here is something embedded by God. And you either build your life on him or you keep falling over him. It's almost as if your your path keeps turning back to him and you hit him again. And it hurts you. It hurts you until you commit yourself to putting yourself next to him to aligning yourself up with him and allowing yourself to be part of his work, what he is doing in the world. And again, in that particular verse, it's quoted from Isaiah chapter 8, there are two words, the word for stone, the word for rock, are again unique Hebrew words not used anywhere else in the in the Hebrew Old Testament, which again tells me we're dealing with someone altogether special. There is only one, Jesus, and he is a living stone. Then we go on to these remarkable words, because Peter now says, do you know what the implication of all this is for you? As Christian believers, you are a chosen people. That was once said about God's ancient people, Israel. It's true of those who believe in Jesus. They are a royal priesthood. Weeks ago, we heard about Jesus being our high priest. That he wasn't in the order of Aaron, like other priests. No, he was in the order of Melchizedek, who was both a king and a priest. Jesus is our king and priest, and we are a royal priesthood. We are sons and daughters of a king, we have the ear of a king. When we pray, we have that role as priests, we bring people to God, bring the world to God, and we bring God to the world. We're a holy nation. The one thing I, I enjoyed when I first came to NCBC a year ago to see how many nations are represented here people from from around the world, if not them personally but their their families embedded around the world and what god has done he's drawn us together he's separated us from the nations to be a holy nation we belong to him we are separated from the world and god says we're his special possession We belong to Him. We are the people of God. The end of that um, episode introduces that we have now received mercy. We are the people of God. I think this is another reference point that Peter is using from the Old Testament. He doesn't say it specifically. But I believe here, he's drawing upon Hosea the prophet. I don't know if you've read the book of Hosea recently. It is a good read, like all Old Testament prophets. (laughs) Some, some parts are difficult, but Hosea was called by God, and God said to him, I'm going to ask a difficult thing of you. I want you to tell the people that they have turned away from me, that they are looking after other gods. They have committed spiritual idolatry. So what I want you to do, Hosea, is to marry a prostitute. You will so outrage everyone at what you're doing. But your answer to them will be, and this is exactly what you're doing to God. You've turned your backs upon him. You have gone your own way. You've rejected your first love. So, he's, so Hosea selected Gomer. Gomer a prostitute from the streets. They had three children. Those three children were to signify something of the relationship with God and his people. They had a son, first of all. They gave him the name Jezreel, which means God scatters. God scatters. He pushes them away. And then they had a little girl, and they gave her the most dreadful name. I've got three daughters, so I know how how precious daughters are. She was given the name, Not Loved. Not Loved. How dreadful for a little girl to go through life with such a name. But God was saying, you are not loved. Then they had a little boy. And he was also given a dreadful name. Not my people. God scatters. Not loved. Not my people. But Peter says, you're the people of God you have now received mercy god takes you to himself and makes you special you belong to him people of god this is what we are this is what we are isn't it this is what we are and this gives us a ministry in the world we need to respond to that don't we we need to respond You may respond personally in your own heart, or then then, this is a perfect opportunity. We're in God's house. Let's commit ourselves to him. I'm going to suggest in a moment that the musicians come back. Thank you guys for what you've done so far. They're going to be playing. I've asked some people from the prayer team to be here at the front, because I want you, as we come to this week of prayer... You as a royal priesthood, I want you to commit yourself to this work. That during this week, the time you've committed yourself to, you will bring the world to God. And then be determined to take God's message out into the world. If anybody wants to speak to me, fine. Because I just want to say one further thing. No one has drawn my attention over here, so I'm assuming that nothing much has happened. That doesn't altogether surprise me, because it is an inanimate object. It's going to stay that way unless somebody hits it hard. As you come to him, Peter says, you Also, like living stones. As your life comes into contact with Jesus Christ, who is the living Son of God, died, rose again. The one who came amongst us and says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The one who said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. The one who said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The the Apostle John writes, this is the record. God has given us eternal life, and that life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son of God has not life. Well, as you're sitting before me this morning, is that what you're like? Are you an inanimate object as far as God is concerned? Is there any life of God in you? We're to be living stones. People who have been changed by knowing Jesus Christ. If you're alive this morning, praise God. Be committed to the work that he calls you to. If you think that that is like you, come and pray with me. I'm going to the prayer space, okay? That's my ministry this morning. Going to the prayer space. If you want to come and talk to me about the life that you need, let's pray together. But other than that... Let's respond in music, let's respond in committing ourselves to prayer during this week, and let God be praised. Amen.